2: Welcome to the podcast. This is episode number fifteen. I'm Tim Mitra, and I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And I'm also joined by Jonathan Kuline over there in Mississauga, Ontario.
3: I'm back.
2: Hey, so and so, um, we're going to see Star Wars at 7 p.m. tomorrow, and that's in at the Queensway Theater. Jonathan? No, we're going to the uh, the one uh, uh, up by Square One, the uh, Mississauga. Oh, uh, yes. right, yeah, yeah. One. Well, Good thing I asked. Good thing I asked because I would have gone. To the wrong theater tomorrow. Yeah,
3: they—they're the ones with the IMAX theater. Alas, Queensway it does not have. So uh, oh, we're watching it in 3D IMAX. 3D IMAX. You got it. Ooh, hey, how about you, Hammy?
0: What are you—what are you going to enjoy? Enjoy the splendor of the Star Wars, the War of the Stars. So it'll be traditional cinema, not 3D or IMAX or anything. Um, really? At 7 p.m. Pacific time, so around the time yeah. you're coming out of the film, I'll be walking into the film. Yeah, it's true. It's true.
3: Yeah. So, so mental note: tweet Jaime as walking out of theater theater.
0: Oh yeah! See I'm, see, I'm wise enough to do that. Like the my social media interaction will be severely limited. Come, I don't know, um, eight a.m. probably because of the. Be, all right, you know, yeah. wherever it starts premiering around the world. Did
3: uh, Did you guys read any of the spoiler-free reviews that were out this week?
0: You know, I, I only I, read I, enough to read thing. like good or not. I glanced ever so lightly at those. Yeah, I didn't really I didn't want to look more. at that much. I didn't want to see anything.
2: But but unfortunately, my eye caught. I just I was preparing for another uh, pick, picking up another. Uh, um, link for the show uh, my eyes glanced over at uh, you know Mark Hamill and saw, saw a couple of words I didn't want to see you know I'm not going to spoil it for anybody but I didn't. I, yeah. like, wanted to save that for myself you know
3: yeah there's a few uh, a few uh, different reviews out there that say they're spoiler free but they say oh my god yeah. don't let anybody spoil it for you I'm like well
2: yeah well, shut the fuck up yeah thanks you know like yeah. thanks for wrecking our rating on our podcast too <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh by the way spoiler alert yeah
2: Nice, nice. yep. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's dive in with some fact check since we uh, obviously we are, are um, in need of a fact check guy on the show.
3: Yes, I think uh, I think uh, I've uh, earned earned my keep here. I'll come back in with uh, fact checks since I was off last week, so uh, I can I can uh, point fingers this time. Um, so one eleven in uh, first appearance of Spider Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Captain America: Civil War. I think uh, one of you guys called it Avengers: Civil War. Uh, one thirty-three. Jeremy Renner plays Hawkeye, mm-hmm. a member of the Avengers in the Marvel For Cinematic Universe. Sure I swear it was. That would be uh, Alfred. You're thinking of Alfred. Yeah, That's different yeah. uh, 2.53, Mia Kirshner plays Spock's mother and Michael Burnham's adopted mother. Her name's Amanda Grayson on Star Trek Discovery. Uh, 4.20, Wally West is in fact not the Flash anymore in the comic books. Barry Allen returned from the dead in the DC crossover event Final Crisis in 2008 and reclaimed his uh, mantle. As the Flash. Wait, so he came back from the dead? They killed him off in 1986 as part of the Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was a huge, okay. epic crossover. He sacri- sacrificed himself to save the world, and Wally West took over the mantle from Kid Flash to The Flash, and uh, he mm-hmm. was The Flash for most of my adolescence and early adulthood, as I'm sure he was for Jaime. And uh, mm-hmm. then 2008, uh, Jeff Johns, who's of course now one of the uh, creative gurus at DC, decided that uh, he, he was his favorite Flash, so he brought him back. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, 5.30, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the sitcom, ran for four seasons on ABC television beginning in 1996 and then it moved for its last three seasons to the WB. Oh, really? Okay. So, and Carolyn Ray was um, yep. a Canadian, isn't she? Uh, that, I don't know, but I that's know she was cool. on it. Yeah. She was one of the aunt, yeah, the ants that she has on the yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. And who was the other ant? That's a good question. Wow. See
2: there? See? Yeah. See?
3: Not so smart now, are we? I must admit, I did not watch uh, more than a handful of seconds of the show and it was really only to see Melissa Joan Hart so uh, I Mm. really have strong recollections of that one Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. 2043 there have been two previous revivals of the Twilight Zone one was on from 1985 to 89 on CBS and the other was 2002 to 2003 on the uh, UPN channel Mm. and that is all your corrections for this week
2: Wow, all right, Checkery. So you've you've put a bunch of movie news things on here. Do you want to lead us into some of that or
3: Yeah, I think uh, well we definitely want to start at the top on this one because uh, this was the news that came out sort of after uh, you guys recorded last week that uh, Quentin Tarantino and JJ Abrams have been talking about doing a Star Trek project. And following out of that, there was all these different, you know, people asking questions. Oh, what would it be about? And what would, what could you do? And Patrick Stewart went on the record and said, "You know, I've always wanted to be in a Tarantino movie, maybe I'd come back and play Picard, which he had previously said he wasn't going to do again. So uh, we went from, you know, who knows what the future of Star Trek in the theaters is after Beyond to Tarantino talking about doing an R-rated version of the film that could include Jean-Luc Picard, which is pretty cool. Oh, I thought you were going to say Data and Tasha Yar. Well, apparently, uh, in one of the articles I read, and I believe it was Variety, uh, so we'll give credit where credit's due, I think they said that Tarantino's favorite Star Trek episode was Yesterday's Enterprise, which we've talked about a couple times on this show, right, yeah. the one where, uh, they, uh, of course, the Enterprise inc- uh, encounters this uh, time rift. The Enterprise C comes through. It changes the future. Tasha Yar is on the ship again. Uh, and they have this quandary about what do they do? Do they send them back to their deaths? Do they get them, let them stay in the future? Even though they know that it could be a better future for them if they send them back to their deaths. It is really probably one of the best episodes, uh, I think we all agree, of the show. Um, and apparently, that's Tarantino's baggage he said, I wouldn't mind riffing off that. So uh, an R-rated, maybe TNG, maybe original series, Hmm. Jay Abrams, Quentin Tarantino slam could be pretty interesting for Trek. What do you guys think? Yeah, that would
0: be quite the different take for sure.
3: Yeah. I mean, we all knew that it was up for fair game once they started using
0: the F word on Star Trek Discovery, right? (laughs) Yeah, that probably helps ease in a little bit of, you know, if you're, I don't know, uh, Entertainment Tonight or something like, oh, new Star Trek movies rated R, but not unprecedented. It. If you've been watching, you know, on CBS All Access, Star Trek Discovery, a more mature and dark take on the Star Trek franchise, like I, could, like I can already write what the, the people are going to say and the anchors on that show. So, yeah, yeah. That's to me,
3: <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, they've already gotten into like the cannibal, the face eating, and you know, I mean, really, it's not that far from Tarantino, yeah, right. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty excited about that prospect. I think uh, you know, I won't. I'll take it with a grain of salt. I mean, you know, lots of people express interest but apparently uh, JJ heard this was the thing and uh, uh, leapt upon it and now is actively trying to woo Tarantino to commit. So that, that sounds like a pretty fun, uh, fun mishmash. Sure. I, I'm ho- personally hoping for Samuel L. Jackson's, uh, you know, cameos slash vulgarity laden uh, Klingon characters or, uh, you know, whatever he sure. could come up with for that. Uh, all of his cast of recurring actors that he likes to bring into his films. Yeah. Like Tim Roth and uh... Harvey Keitel. Yeah. You know, we'll just, Harvey. I, oh, yeah. I think maybe that could be one of our uh, when we're in our downtime uh, over the holidays we should start thinking about casting that movie starring the uh, the cast of Pulp Fiction as Star Trek characters mm-hmm. It could be fun. Uh, let's see what else have we got. So uh, the DCEU getting a shakeup. So uh, word is that in the, the wake of Justice League uh, not doing quite what it was expected to do at the box office that they're talking about uh, lopping off some heads. Uh, Jeff Johns' name, somebody we just mentioned, is somebody who's been talked about as being uh, removed. Moved from any uh, potential role. This is again from Variety.com. So, who's Jeff Jones? Jeff is uh, the chief creative officer for DC. Um, Oh, okay. Sorry. So, he works across all the platforms. He works on the comics, he works on the TV shows, and he works on the films. But he actually co, I believe, co wrote Wonder Woman um, and had some pretty strong involvement there. And he came in sort of late on the game on Justice League. So, he seems like a strange person to throw under the bus in this scenario. But uh, apparently, they're talking about some pretty dramatic shakeups over there, doing things differently. Apparently, Zack Snyder is not going to be uh, welcomed back with open arms uh, if they decide to continue this universe that they're working on. So, it'll be interesting to see where they go from here because they've already got a few movies in the pipeline, right? We know they're going to try and do a Flash movie. There's a Wonder Woman 2 coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's been a buzz about whether they're going to do, you know, they're talking about obviously Aquaman's coming. They're talking about Cyborg. They're going to spin all these different characters out, maybe a, a Man of Steel 2. Uh, wonder what that will do for the tone and look of those films if they decide to uh, shuffle the deck at the leadership level there.
0: Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I think content for a future episode where we don't have you know Discovery or the Orville to watch, we should do a little bit of a what-if sort of scenario as to how we might change the EU so they wouldn't have had to do this sort of thing. Like like a what-if from, from each one of us, how you, we would have uh, handled the mantle and, and delivered these movies.
3: Alright, well that's record. a challenge accepted. That sounds like like fun mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what well, Let's get the next two and go to the TV news. Okay, so uh, that's Jaime. You can kick us off there.
0: Yeah, this is uh, more sci-fi stuff coming up on Netflix. So can't remember what we mentioned last time on the show. It was a um, George R. R. Martin property mm-hmm. that I didn't recognize. Here is another sci-fi property I don't recognize: Old Man's War. But uh, Netflix has got all sorts of great feelings for me in terms of their their sort of handling of this sort of material. So uh, I am looking forward to this. We'll have links in the show notes for those of you transporting at home. Um, mm-hmm follows a guy who's a uh, like a military science type officer. Um, it it kind of sounds a little bit like the altered carbon thing that we mentioned, um, I think, last episode, where you have like cloned upgraded bodies and whatnot. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how those play out, having two at least superficially similar topics. Yeah, that sounds neat.
3: So what's the next one? Well, we'll, we'll jump over that middle one there. And we'll, oh, uh, yeah, well,
0: yeah, we, yeah. we we're, our little
3: friend, our little friend over there. We had one of them. <laughs> t- um, so they announced, uh, yeah, don't read that link, honey. There <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're, we're talking about the Walking Dead. Jaime's uh, still got some catching up to do. So we're not going to spoil this week's Walking Dead. We'll uh, we'll skip over that. If you're a Walking mm-hmm. Dead fan, uh, I'm sure you're you're up to date with what's going on. It's uh, it's it's uh, into. Mid- I, didn't, I didn't
2: know there was controversy yeah. around. But, you
3: know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we'll skip ahead to um, Supergirl. So Supergirl, they announced uh, is going to be taking a hiatus this year. Uh, in, in 2018, they are coming back on January 15th, and they're going to air episodes up until February 5th, but then it is going to take a hiatus. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow is going to move into its time slot and the Black Lightning series that is uh, coming on to uh, the CW is going to take its place. So we're going to be nine weeks without Supergirl, which is uh, a pretty long stretch for a show like that. That's that's a lot of sort of momentum to, uh, to lose. So they're going off the air from February 5th is the last episode and they're not coming back again until the 9th of April. This is in the wake of that uh, news week had about the director right it is uh, or the showrunner yeah so yeah yeah. so um, it'll be interesting to see if that's you know they don't really didn't make much about it beyond that and I think there was always an intention to make a space for this Black Lightning series that's coming on um, which actually looks pretty decent Um, but yeah that's that's a very long break for a very good show so it'll be interesting to see how they build that into the storyline if they're going to leave you on a cliffhanger or what they're going to do to sort of keep that uh, keep people waiting around for, you know, over two months to, to try and, you know, come back and enjoy that series again. Sure.
2: So are we into the renewals now, or the 80s? What do you want to do?
3: Uh, we'll do renewals. Two quick ones. Uh, so uh, Netflix has announced that uh, Punisher, the Punisher, is going to get a season two. Uh, so obviously enough uh, enough traffic there uh, off of the series that premiered in October that uh, they decided to come back with that, and uh, they just announced today, Mr. Robot is going to be getting a fourth season. So hmm. that's pretty exciting. Tonight uh, is the Season finale, I believe, of Robot for the year. So uh,
2: that's a bit of a stretch. I don't know. Have you guys watched that show at all? I think I know. I have. uh,
0: Jaime has, right?
3: Yeah, I I watched the first two seasons, but I haven't haven't caught up the season yet.
0: Yeah, yeah. first two seasons um, and then I'll have to binge season 3 um in anticipation of season 4 apparently so.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay, well then I'll then I'll hold uh, reserve my comments and guess on
3: that. Um all right. So let's move on to the 80s. So uh two two little flashes from the past here. So uh Netflix has announced as part of its slate of uh upcoming uh animation that they're going to bring back She-Ra Princess of Power. So mm-hmm. uh, I know that there's lots of the 80s kids out there that like the the He-Man wasn't so She-Ra uh, wish was you yeah. I was going to say she's master of the universe. Yeah, right? she is. Character. So uh, so I sh- I'm sure there'll be some interest in that show coming back. And of course, uh, Netflix, you know, makes it a little more readily available for everybody. So that's pretty cool. And uh, they also announced uh, last week that they're going to, uh, I guess earlier this week, that they're going to bring The Dark Crystal back into theaters, remastered in 4K. Uh, mm-hmm. It's only going to come back for two nights, apparently, in February. Uh, and mm. then they're going to be announcing, uh, releasing the 4K Blu-ray version of it. But it's, uh, it's a pretty new opportunity to be able to see something like that uh, at the that theater, level yeah. of quality yeah. in the theater. So I, I think that might be something worth uh, what worth well, Do you think
2: 4K actually does make uh, like a,
3: a 70 millimeter movie better? I don't know. I'll be curious. I mean, uh, you know, I'll, it's it'll be interesting to see what kind of restoration they've done on it mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. because it has been a full restoration. So I, mean, I don't know if they went back to the original stock shot or how they've done it, but... Uh, yeah, the original film, maybe, yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what that does for a film like that because obviously you know, uh, for, for those who are uh, maybe too young to have seen Dark Crystal in its original uh, form in the 1980s, but, uh, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's done with, you know, a lot of uh, costume work, a lot of puppetry. Um, mm-hmm. I, You know, some of that stuff does not hold up well when you put it under the microscope. So it'll be interesting to see yeah. if they can, you know. Did you did you watch it in the theater when you were a kid? I did, yes. Yeah. Oh, you did? Okay. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, I believe I went to a birthday party to see that one when I was, uh, boy, I think it came out when I was eight. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm,
2: interesting. Well, I can tell you that, that I, so I saw the, um, I guess that's the final cut of the Blade Runner movie in the theater. And I've seen the Blade Runner theater like a number of times. And of course watched it a thousand times on television. And um, the last time I saw it was the, for the, the final cut. And it was when they had just, they had gone back and read on all the sound and it made a huge difference on the movie. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. Very
3: good. Well, I think it'll be worth checking out. I mean, I, I like watching movies that I love on the big screen, especially ones that I either haven't seen in 30 years or, uh, uh, that you know, the, in retrospect, the quality was not the highest when we were watching them, and right. the ripped screen on an old-fashioned projector in yeah. a rundown and movie the pop theater.
2: The yeah, exactly. So, so I, I think I was, I don't know if I mentioned it on the show, but I I had an opportunity to see Brazil and Time Bandits at uh, the TIFF uh, Lightbox Theater here, which is a theater in Toronto where they show you know uh, classic films and foreign films and all kinds of stuff. And and um, so I had never seen I'd seen both of those movies a, a number of times, but I never seen either one of them on the big screen and uh, I, I gotta say watching time Bandits on the big screen being able to see all the detail that, that Terry Gilliam puts into his shots it was amazing like it was like it was like watching a brand new film I mean I knew the story and all that kind of stuff but it was you know sort of the nuances and and he was he was had a reputation of, of fussing over the look of his film of, of every shot right and uh, so I had seen you know 12 monkeys in the theater and I, I'd like to see that one again so I think that you know um, and there's a lot going on in dark crystals where I'm going with it. Right. So it might be interesting to see that in in the big screen. Although I I wonder, you know, a a friend of mine um, was given the task of watching Firefly and her kids sort of said, when was this show from? Because it just didn't hold up in terms of visual effects. Right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. But then I went to go see, uh, they brought Back to the Future back for the anniversary last year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I went and saw it and and took my son and your nephew and we went and and enjoyed, uh, uh, they showed the whole trilogy. Uh, I hung on for all three. Uh, My son didn't hang on for all three, but uh, in the theater, it was, it was really cool. And now I'm not sure what they, Mm -hmm. I'm sure they weren't showing an original print. I'm sure they were showing a digital copy. So I don't know how that affects things, but it still, it was fantastic to see that, hear it in that, you know, kind of volume, enjoy it in that atmosphere. It was, it was a kick. Was it pen and scan? (laughs) 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 Thankfully not. All right. Yeah. And just a couple of last things, Uh, a couple of good trailers dropped this last week. Uh, we have uh, Jessica Jones season two just a teaser not much there but uh, awesome to see that character coming back Mm -hmm. and uh, really looking forward to seeing where they take her from what was really probably the best of those Netflix uh, series to to, uh, kick off their first season so I'm excited about that and uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider Verse which is an animated picture that's coming out next Christmas uh, and it's by Lord and Miller the two guys that uh, got uh, uh, released from the Star Wars Han Solo film uh, who also did the lego movie uh they're they're doing this animated version of spider-man and it's uh centered around what in comics is known as the ultimate spider-man which is miles morales who is a mixed race person so uh mm-hmm. they're a bit of a departure from where you know traditional people associate peter parker as uh, spider-man uh, so those will be the film debut of that character so it's pretty exciting and it looks really neat uh it kind of feels like a uh a fancy high highbrow uh, Pixar movie uh, action Pixar movie or something like uh, Incredibles sure. or something it's, it's, it's cool
2: yeah so how many actors have played Spider-Man it's going to be like Batman now and Superman
0: I guess too right yeah Ooh. I mean like where, where, where are you counting Tim because there's like weird like Japanese films and stuff too like, oh, like Spider-Man yeah or really oh yeah uh, okay. mm-hmm. no I know Tobey Maguire so, and like main, main feature films sure sure main feature films I mean.
2: yeah yeah I guess so yeah well of course you know Jonathan and I grew up I mean I grew up with the the CFTO version of spider-man which is a, a canadian animated cartoon which you've probably seen right um but that that was on like all the time it was sort of filler television you'd, you'd stumble across that show and just watch it you know i can't even remember who, who produced that one maybe that's a fact check thing you know what i'm talking about jonathan
0: right?
3: oh yeah i used to watch that at the cottage all the time when i was a kid yeah. spider-man mm-hmm. cartoon series i love that
0: that's where yeah, the theme
3: yeah. song comes from right Spider-Man.
0: Spider-Man. yep yeah i'd yeah, be curious to see with this into the spider-verse as to how closely they end up paralleling the comic book version of this topic and whether they're going to use this as an opportunity to create like a little animated cinematic universe for the various spider people that come out of that uh, spider guys that uh, top what storyline I guess for back of a better term yeah and the spider uh
3: they did a great crossover the last couple of years where they they sort of had this expansion of all these different uh, incarnations of the character uh, including Peter Parker and Miles Morales and more and uh, yeah it'll be really an interesting thing to see if they go beyond those two characters as it looks like from the trailer that those Two characters interact. It'll be really cool to see if they bring in all these uh, far flung and really interesting takes on this character because, you know, I think everyone, I think somewhere who's had a comic book background, you know, enjoys that world and those characters. So uh, it'd be fun to see what they can do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. So, spoiler
2: warning for those of you who haven't been paying attention, but this show is about the uh, Star Trek Discovery, which is currently in a break. And it's also about the Orville by Seth MacFarlane. So, we're going to be talking about episode two. Twelve Mad I no. Idolatry. no Idolatry. Idolatry, Mad Idolatry. This, in fact, the season finale, episode number twelve of the Orville. So, um, who's going to do the recap, Jonathan? Oh, I get to do this one. to Who puts the notes
3: down? All right, all right. Uh, so we uh, we open the episode with uh, a really uh, lonely and bored uh, Captain Ed Mercer wandering through the ship, trying to mm-hmm. find somebody to have a drink with. Uh, he tries Gordon, who's uh, already in his jam jam. And doesn't want to come out and play. Uh, he goes and tries John Lamar, the engineer, and uh, he's got a date, so that's not going to work out. Uh, I noticed that his eyes didn't track downwards in that shot. Did you notice? It's that? probably for the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, of course, he ends up at the at the door of Bordis and his husband, who are just uh, settling down for a nightcap, and they uh, invite him in for a drink. Uh, the drink is a delightful uh, concoction called Upsada, which is aged. Nine years and mm-hmm. uh, turns out to be a tall glass of parasite. So mm-hmm. it's supposed to go inside and be a very pleasurable experience when you consume it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a pretty funny little, uh, you know, tall glass of mud uh, that turns into a parasite. Pretty nasty, pretty funny. Uh, and then he decides he wants to learn more about Moklin culture. And so they teach oh. him about a uh, their idea of oh, game yeah. night. Right. So <laughs> they break out something that looks like a cross between uh, a pine cone and a football and start playing this game that looks like a game of, you know, keep the ball in the air. They're throwing it around and it's called Lachkum. And uh, and they're playing a good game of Lachkum and Ed gets cocky and holds onto the ball for a second and it pierces his hands. <laughs> <laughs> and they yell, Lachkum! And they all yell, <laughs> Which was one of the funnier bits they've done. That was pretty. That was pretty good. Mm-hmm. You knew it was mm-hmm. going to end badly, but you didn't know how badly it was going to end until Ed right. had this thing stuck through his hand. But uh, yeah, right. that was pretty good. So uh, after getting his hand attended to, uh, Ed uh, decides that he's going to try somebody else for a drink. So he hits up his first officer Kelly, who's of course his ex-wife, mm-hmm. and the two of them end up going and having a quiet drink. And they start talking about well, you know, in the wake of their feelings for each other that have developed over the last few episodes, Uh, the fact that they had this, you know, uh, interaction with Derulio, the person whom she had an affair with, uh, who implied, but didn't say that he may have affected her with his pheromones to make her Mm -hmm. want to sleep with him. Uh, The two of them talk about maybe getting back together. So uh, this is sort of the underlying sort of theme for the whole episode is will they, won't they, Ed and Kelly, as it has been for sort of this whole first season, you know, they've got this clear vibe thing going on. Are they going to get back together? Uh, so as this is going on, uh, the Orville detects, uh, after they two of them have had a night out drinking, clearly, because they're hungover on the bridge, mm-hmm. uh, the Orville detects a spatial anomaly. Uh, Kelly and Gordon and Isaac, the artificial uh, creature, person, being? Life form, yeah. Lightform, mm-hmm. uh, investigate the uh, anomaly in a shuttle, and it turns out that there's a hidden planet. Um, they Three of them land, crash land the shuttle, and while they're down there, Kelly wanders off to go have a look at the locals uh, trying not to interfere because just like on Star Trek, there is a non-interference with uh, non-spacefaring people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, she goes and checks it out. Encounters uh, a couple of children. One of the children falls down, smacks her head on a rock, has a really nasty cut. Uh, Kelly gives her uh, some medical treatment using her healing device, and uh, the girl runs off. But remembers that her name is Kelly. Right. Uh, they leave the planet and they head back to the ship and they realize once they get back there oh this is actually something unique this is a multi-phasic planet so this means that for half the time it's in a different galaxy and half the time it's in their galaxy and so they decide they're going to wait around for 11 days for the, ship, for the planet to reappear so they can check it out again so they have 11 days of sort of floating around in space waiting and they realize as they go down to the planet the second time that time seems to, to work differently on this planet and they figure out that actually 700 years occurs for the every 11 days in their galaxy. Mm -hmm. So when Kelly goes back down to the planet, she encounters some of the locals. They see her and recognize her as somebody special. It turns out that Kelly is now viewed as a deity who can heal the sick because she helped this girl one time and they've developed this whole religious system around her, uh, which freaks her out because people are being as they do with other religions. They are killing in her name. They are doing horrible things in her name and so kelly decides that she can't have this so she goes back down to the planet to speak to their version of the pope we'll call him the pope think so sure okay yeah Mm -hmm. yeah the high priest. The yeah. High priest, sure. Uh go, the Pope hat. With the, the guy the hat that just looks a little bit like the Pope's hat. Yeah, pontiff yeah. hat. Yeah. yeah. Or bishop. It's a bishop hat, actually. Oh there you go. So whatever that's called. So uh yeah. So she goes back down, talks to the the Pope, uh, reveals herself, says, you know, hey, by the way, I'm not a god, I'm just a person. Uh you need to disband this religion you've got built up. Uh you know, you're doing more harm than good. Just just trust me I'm fine. She cuts her hand open and then heals it to show him that it's just, it's not magic, it's not godlike, it's just, you know, perfectly fine. But uh, in a not-so-subtle stab, thank you very much, at organized religion, uh, the Pope's uh, right-hand man decides that he can't have the Pope telling the truth about what happened and uh, sticks a knife in his back. And so, after the crew returns to the Orville, another 11 days pass, so they just apparently sit in space for another 11 days. And when they go back to the planet the next time they see that it's actually advanced another 700 years and is into the communications age the computer Mm -hmm. age and it turns out that their visit made no difference that there are still people being killed in her name and there are religious wars and there's violence and all these different things it did nothing to fix the problems right so uh, Kelly makes the choice that she wants to go down and live amongst these people stay there yeah stay because she thinks that that'll be able to fix things and instead Isaac volunteers to spend 700 years on the planet trying to fix things. because Healing the plot from the next generation with data. Yeah, absolutely. So Isaac says, you know, for me, 700 years is nothing. I don't care. I'll go down and do it. So he goes down to the planet. They sit there for another 11 days, uh, at which point they've got to be running out of, I don't know what, like all the things that you would run out of in 33 days sitting in one space, mm-hmm. one place in space. But Unless you had replicators and I, could like make, make stuff up. I, you know, the, the best people in this entire episode are the people who didn't have to go down on these away missions. They got like a month off. This is great. Yeah, no <laughs> yeah. So Isaac goes down to the planet. They, uh, 11 days go by, 700 years in his time. Uh, the planet spins around one more time and reappears in their galaxy. And this time, they are spacefaring uh, people. They encounter them. They bring back Isaac. They say, we've evolved out of its belief in the deity of Kelly without even Isaac's interference, that it was just something that was inevitable. That you know, all all uh, species have to go through this. Sentient species have to go through this period of time in believing in these things, and eventually they just grow out of it. Uh, which is again a not very subtle dig at religion. Once again, I was going to say, what does that say about organized religion? Yeah, uh, and so uh, this whole episode was a pretty pretty scathing indictment of, of organized religion uh, versus science. Uh, and in the end, uh, Ed and Kelly have a conversation Kelly says you know oh Ed you made all these decisions throughout this whole episode of uh, trying to protect me at one point he, may, he doesn't make a full confession to his admiral and he gets in trouble and so Kelly decides that they shouldn't pursue a relationship because uh, Ed would just get himself into trouble and she doesn't want that for him so we end our first season of the Oroville with the two of them deciding they're not going to be together and the adventure in space continues for the yeah so they can
2: continue to have the Sam and Diane thing going on yeah uh, by the way, just a bit of fa- a fact check here. The bishop's hat is called a mitre. Oh, good to know. Apparently. So, hey, so, well, apparently it's a crossword puzzle thing. So if you're doing crossword puzzles, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so it brings up an interesting thing. And I was I was watching this show, and, and I don't know why I never thought about it on Star Trek or, or The Next Generation or, you know, Discovery or Deep Space Nine. Well, Deep Space Nine, maybe, or even Enterprise. Okay, so these stories are centered around, you know, nine characters, nine people that we we know of roughly. I'm just pulling a number out of my hat, you know, because the other part would be... Oh, you expensive. mean out of your miter? Yeah, out of my miter, yeah. Um, so like, what about the other shifts when, you know, because like, like, I you know, I used to work in a bar and I've worked in restaurants and stuff like that. And, and, you know, when they're open 24 hours or they work, you know, they're open for certain periods of time. These things are like like boats, you know, they're out there, like you said, they're out there for 33 days, but that's 33 series of 24 hours, right? Yep. Um, like, who's the assistant captain? Like, wh- who's the... Who, what about the the night shift people? What do they do? Just mop the floors while, you know, <laughs> and put away the garbage and take out the recycling? You know, like, what happens? What where do those people come from? Or are we expected to believe that these people are just like the only, like, they turn the bridge off when they go to bed at night? Or what happens,
3: I, you know? I'm going to send you guys a link. I'll, I'll put it on our, our page for our audience. There is a brilliant, brilliant sketch on Robot Chicken uh, right. that is literally called Star Trek The Next Generation's Night Crew. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about the people who it's got. It's even got Patrick Stewart doing Picard's voice and everything else. Oh yeah! And yeah. it's got the the what happens when they all sign off for the day? Who comes in and takes over for the night crew? And is right, right. gut bustingly funny. I, I highly recommend it. We'll I'll put it put in. like
2: the disco lights on and put the music on and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, right.
3: it's it's genius. It's genius. It's very very funny. But you're right. It's 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 one of those unexplored things that they never really get into. Like you know, how long can a captain be on duty? You know. Realistically, okay, right. he's working what eight hours a day? Is he on call for 24
2: hours? 12 hours, three, three, 12, 12 hour shifts. I don't know.
3: Yeah, so
2: three
0: on, two off, you know.
3: Yeah, it's it's a, it's a good question.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've they hint briefly at a few different things in Star Trek The Next Generation. Where I was gonna say the next generation for sure. Yeah, so Data tends to be on the night shift because he doesn't need to sleep, so he'll right. that is an oh. opportunity to take command uh, or get a command experience. Uh, also, there was at least one episode where Dr. Crusher also did the same and it came up because I think Counselor Troy came back from like a conference or something and she's like oh oh you're 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 captaining or captaining the ship right now I like, oh yeah, I yeah do it every once in a while and I think it was related to her deciding to get the third pip and become a commander even though it's not technically um, required as chief medical officer right yeah
2: yeah and didn't Deanna Troy fly the, the Enterprise at one point and
0: does she like she crashes it right Well she say here? yes but I feel like I'm inviting the fact checked folks <laughs> yeah
3: No, she doesn't Episode where it's a simulation right she has to do the oh. uh, she has to send someone to their chest as part right. of her training yeah oh yeah 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 huh. wow crazy but yeah again it was uh, so what do you guys think of this as uh, you know they've they've already announced that they had cut the season order down from 13 to 12 so this may or may yeah. not have been where they intended to leave things off but sure. where do you guys feel like this leaves us after our first season of the Orville well it's not much of a cliffhanger
2: no for one right which is sort of traditional in the Kind of shows, right? i was sort of have to leave something. Well, mind you, though, I should say I shouldn't say that because the the overall seems to every episode seems to be wrapped up in a bow, you know. Yeah. Uh, right. It's, it, no, they they manage to go through you know the first forty minutes of a crisis, and then the you know the, the last ten minutes they, they solve the problem, whatever it is, right? Right. Um, almost too quickly, like the, like in the Alara episode, right? Um, and by the way, just fact check, Jonathan, is it called a bottle episode? Uh, this well, a bottle. No, of- I, mean, I mean, I mean, like like like. Lam- Lamar's episode like um,
3: no that would be it would be like a, a character exposition episode a or bottle activity. episode is usually sort of contained in one uh, uh, yeah it's sort of a self-contained story right 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 like it can be pulled out of the pulled out of the genre at any point or played at any point yeah I mean a, a bottle episode is often it's what we were talking about like before canon, well right? no a bottle episode is usually uh, so they that would be where they were doing what they were doing in the middle of this a series of the Orville where they were recycling sets they were going to Places a bottle episode is oh. usually it's it's where they lower the expense right like they don't they don't right, they don't right. go to big fancy things they don't do huge set pieces they don't do anything fancy a bottle episode is usually just a pretty self contained little don't use a lot of money let's tell a story using what right, we got right. kind of thing
2: right right yeah so so because Jaime Khan called the Lamar episode last week a bottle episode and I'd never heard that before and
0: and he wasn't sure if it was the correct term for that type of episode but yeah, yeah. I was doubting that it was the the right term and and, and I was wrong. So there you go. It's good to, to have that. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I
2: mean, this, this episode was kind of, uh, it's been done. I mean, like, again, I think my problem with the Orville is that, that they they seem to be recycling plots, um, yep. which I guess is a common problem with a lot of, like, a lot of movies and things like that, a lot of TV shows. They tend to, they, as if people haven't ever read the seven, what is it, seven plots of Greek tragedy or Greek, or Greek theater? Yeah. There's like seven styles of storytelling, right? Um, and um, yeah, so I, it was a it was better than most of them, but but it's so predictable. I mean, you know, um, but even like I said, the 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 thing about Isaac going off and and uh, you know reliving I, I, it's, reliving Data's uh, sort of exposition of, of being around for however many years he was he was abandoned on a planet at one point, right? And they find his head in the... Yep. Like, Data founds his own head? Or I forget how they do that. Yeah,
3: they find Data's head on an alien planet, and it turns out that he was transported back to the 1800s where he encountered mm-hmm. Mark Twain. Right. And then they... It turns out that there's a alien that race that's coming to the past to take people as victims and absorb their energy, and it's actually not... It's I'm making it sound terrible. It was actually not a bad little two-part episode, but, <laughs> but it, it, when you try and Explain it like that; it does sound a little convoluted, but at least there was right. original,
2: right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, I mean, that's one thing you could say about the Twilight Zone. We talked about that before. Like the Twilight Zone. So, uh, how I how I envisioned the Twilight Zone. I don't know if you guys ever did lot, like how much reading you guys did in 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 grade school. Um, we had there was a lot of short stories that I read when I was in, in school, and and I, I really enjoyed the science fiction ones because it was a lot of space travel and all that kind of stuff. And what if kind of you know like like the Martian, you know, like the movie The Martian, where you, you leave a guy on a planet it by himself, what is he going to do to survive, right? Um, and the, you just pull out all these different ideas from, um, I mean a lot of the stories I read back in, in grade school were like that, like, you know, when I was like 10, 11, 12 kind of thing, right? You know, Twilight Zone was was a show where they kind of got the best writers to come up with these best little you know, uh, one hour long stories. And they were all relatively self-contained. Well, they were all self They never they never repeated a story or, or a plot or a, an idea. Um, and they were all, you know, centered around different things like, what what if the bomb goes off? How are you going to survive? Or, you know, what if Dracula was really a guy you know kind of thing Um, or was real but um, or what if you know somebody's you know getting plastic surgery and they're hoping the surgery works and they take off her bandages and she's gorgeous to our standard but she's ugly to the people in in her surrounding environments, right Um, and sort of the the, that story was about what is beauty really right Um, and again they could do so much with these kind of shows like the Orville or even Discovery well Discovery is meant to be a serial right so it's, it's kind of like The Walking Dead it's Meant to just continue as a long one big long story, right? But um, I, I'm a little disappointed that the you know, Orville ha- really hasn't sort of stretched what they could do. Either they should have gone totally funny, which is what we all expected them to do, right? Because that's that's the kind of show that uh, Seth MacFarlane has done up to this point. Um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets canceled. Like it's just it's just not been it's been great to watch. You know, I like the character. I like some of the characters. I'm not really sold on it. It's not anywhere. It doesn't hold a candle to anything Star Trek ish, in my opinion. Right. So that's what I have to say.
3: Yeah, I think. Uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, we know they're getting a season two, they've already confirmed that, so that's happening. So, uh, you know, I I wonder where they go from here. And I I couldn't help but notice that this week's episode was written and directed by Brennan Braga, who, uh, of course, was one of the uh, longtime writers for Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Um, and it, you're right, like it's it it feels like this interesting homage. And you know, there are lots of Mm -hmm. nice little moments. And you know, I'm all for genre television, but I, I, I agree. I think they're going to need to step up their game to keep my interest going into season two because uh, you know I, I think I need like the, the funny moments are funny you know Gordon keeps getting these mm-hmm. great lines he had another great line this week where you know he asks can you translate that for dumb guys who might also be a little drunk uh, <laughs> you know there are some funny moments but it's not funny enough to be funny and it's not it's not original enough to be great sci-fi it, it just feels like it's the middle and you know mm-hmm. when there's so much good television out there it's, it's awfully hard to Settle in the middle.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, like, like I said, I, there are better shows on television, better sci-fi shows that I can name that I have stopped watching, and and because they just, I mean, not. And the Orville is, in my opinion, is a little less than that. Yeah. Like I should, no, I should stop watching the Orville. Let's put it that way. That's like, you know, kind of how I sort of feel about. it. I mean, like I stopped watching um, Marvel Ange- Marvel Agents of Shield um, about a two se- a season and a half ago because it just it just wasn't really interesting enough for me. Maybe it was for you guys who, who know the, the universe, right? Um, but being someone from the outside who hasn't followed that whole Marvel universe thing evolve, I mean, you know, Coulson is like the guy from who dies in, in the second movie, I believe, right? Um, and he's got this sort of mysterious, how did he get, you know, healed and whatever. And that was kind of interesting for about five minutes, you know? Yeah. And they're coming back with season four now,
3: I hear, right? So. Uh, I think, I don't know if it's season four. I know they just started a new season two weeks ago. I yeah. So that I forgot to set my PVR, so I'm, I'm going to have to catch up because I have actually up to date. Mm-hmm. I, I thought last season was actually pretty strong. They did uh, two storylines. They've actually been breaking it up into sort of almost like mini seasons. They last year they did sort of the first yeah. half was a whole Ghost Rider storyline, and the second half was a whole uh, alternate universe, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, beyond the veil kind of thing. And and they were both actually pretty decently strong, so uh, sure, sure. enough to bring me back for this season. Although <laughs> the reason it didn't record on my PVR is they have moved it to. Friday nights now, right. uh, which uh, does not for me seem like they have a lot of faith left in it. So uh, right? Yeah. I yeah. have a suspicion this may be the last season. Uh, as a matter of fact, I read a story the other day where uh, Ming Wen, who is one of the lead characters in the show, made a remark where she she almost came out and said the show is done for, but sort of back, really? backpedaled a little bit. Oh. So I mean, they had a good run. I mean, you know, it, it wasn't what we were promised. We were promised a show that was going to tie into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and they they did in a really interesting way during the first yeah. season tied it into Captain America um, The Winter Soldier and yeah. then it just sort of dropped off the map and became its own thing <laughs> and we know mm-hmm. that there's all these stories about the political differences between the TV wing and the movie wing of Marvel and there's all this mm-hmm. intrigue but uh, if you enjoy it for what it is it's fine but uh, it, it's never what they promised us
2: and didn't they bring Sammy Jackson into this one for a bit too.
3: Uh, I don't remember if they brought Samuel Jackson in, but they did cross um, because the plot of season or I want to say two or three tied into the events in Sokovia uh, in Avengers two, mm-hmm. um, where they show up with the uh, the helicarrier. That was a yeah, sort of right. whole plot line in uh, in Agents of Shield, but um, yeah, it, again, it it seemed like we sort of you know got sold a bill of goods that this was going to be. You know the Marvel Cinematic TV show, but it actually turned out to be just a Marvel TV show.
2: Yeah, see, and, and I've never watched Arrow, which because I never got into never got warmed up to it, and I haven't watched Daredevil either. And then you know I watched Supergirl. I watched the first couple of episodes of, of The Flash, but um, I you know I, it, I I didn't find it that good. That you know, I mean, no, I know you do because you, you love the character, right? But
0: mm-hmm. um, I like that show uh, because it's joyous. I, and I, Jaime, you watch that show as well, don't you? I don't really. Watched the Arrowverse shows, except for Supergirl, and when they do the crossovers, like they had the, the right. big two-nighter recently with all of those shows. Yeah, when they were fighting the uh, yeah, 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 the, the alternate universe versions. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. I find uh, the shows all really have different tones. Arrow is um, much more sort of uh, dark and somber and grounded uh, than the other ones. Flash tends to be a little more. Um, it sort of feels very family. It's got you know very. Family family vibe to it everybody's you know we're all in this together we're all we all love each other and we have our problems but we all work it out um and i find legends of tomorrow a little hit and miss i love that they reach for things they really try they they go to some really weird places in the dc universe that i just never thought i would ever see you know they bring the most obscure characters to life and i love them for it but it's it's just not a terribly great show Mm -hmm. uh but supergirl is by far my favorite and it's yeah, it, it's just hands down the best work that they're doing, and it, it might be the best genre TV show out there right now. Just because it's it's so complex, the characters are, are really realized. Uh, you know, Melissa ben, Benoist is a joy to watch. Kyler Lee is uh, or Kyler Lee is a, is great as her sister. There's so much sure. to enjoy in that world. Um, it, I, 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 that and the Flash are my two favorites, and and uh, you know, I could see a world where I I you know we talk about cutting off shows. I could see a world where I stopped watching Legends and I see a world where I could stop watching Arrow, but uh, I can't see a world where i drop the other two anytime soon. Cool.
2: Alright, so I want to ask something before we jump into our picks or, or finish off the show here, but um, so, and this is for everybody kind of thing, round table, if you will. Um, and when you think about what was your best, what was the best discovery episode or sort of plot or vehicle, if you will, because it's not really one show or one, one episode, and what was your, what was the best Orville episode? So, um, Jaime, why don't you tell us what you think about those two
0: yeah I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the fact that discovery is essentially one long episode because it I was having trouble remembering what happens in which particular episode <laughs> it just continues like it just continues on through um, so for discovery I, I want to say it was um, I think can't remember if it was before Choose Your Pain or, or or right after where they had a lot of the really great interactions with um, Cadet Tilly and Stamets and Michael Burnham. Um, and, and we also may or may not have seen in the same episode, again, because there's so many plots going on that continue through the entire season mm-hmm. um, where we saw more of just like how dark Captain Lorca was and, and his whole interaction mm-hmm. with um, the Admiral. I thought that was all pretty good. And I want to say it was like Leth or Leith, L E T H. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere around there is where I think I... I felt it was like really hitting its stride. Right. Hmm. And what about uh, well, let's do let's do discovery
2: first, Jonathan? What do you think about discovery?
3: Yeah, I, I agree with Jaime. That was a great episode. Um, I think as as because it was so interconnected, it's really hard. There weren't a lot of sort of self contained moments. They really felt like there was a lot of uh, sort of continuing narrative. But I think as a standalone, I I think it's hard to compare to Magic Make the Ma- uh, Sinister Man Go Mad, which was the Return of Harry Mud, the time loop mm-hmm. episode. There was just uh, that. That one... Even though it was a trope, even though they went back to you know something that's been done in science fiction, they did it really, really well. Uh, it was yeah. very satisfying. Yeah. It actually advanced the character development while being entertaining, while being humorous, while being mm-hmm. exciting. Uh, I think that was the one that that you know definitely stands out in my mind. So
2: I have to say that, like as a as a fan of the original series, Harcourt Fenton Mudd is one of my favorite villains in in that series. Right? Um, he's right up there with sort of the the sixty Six Batman type you know, campy character, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, I've watched the, those two episodes while we were watching Discovery. I went, you know, I just happened to see the two Harry Mudd uh, episodes on the original series. So for me, when I heard that, that Rain, Rain Wilson was going to come back and do Harry Mudd, I was a little doubtful. But I have to say th- th- that those two appearances have probably been my favorite parts of this thing. And of course, I love time travel and time loops and that kind of stuff. And I think that they did a really good job, like you said, on that episode. Where Harry Mudd comes back and and just messes with them, right? Just just uh, you know the I, I want to see the outtakes from that. Those, oh yeah, uh, those uh, <laughs> with Rain, Rain Wilson for sure. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about the Discovery, Jaime? Mean, what do you, What was the best part of the season for Discovery? Oh, Orville, Orville, oh, sorry, Orville, Orville. So Jaime, mean, what about the Orville? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think how about, how about the Orville instead. There's probably three episodes that I think were my fave from the season: uh, Priya, Krill, and Cupid's Dagger. I feel like they're the ones that are uh, probably the most different from from stuff you would normally see and I feel like they probably handled the uh, the comedy and, and drama the best in terms of that balance. I think we've talked about before where maybe Tim, you and I might have talked about this last week where like, there were some episodes that felt like we think these were probably written first, yeah. even though they appeared later, where they hadn't quite figured out the tone. Um mm-hmm. It's a real close toss-up. I really did like Hubert's dagger a lot, but I, I think I'm going to lean towards um, towards Priya, even though we uh, we don't know if it's going to lead into anything. But I feel like it really right, examined sure, yeah. the character really well, and the chemistry was great between Charlize Theron and uh, Seth, Seth and McCall, Carlin. Yeah. So I
2: like that okay. one. And what's in the, nice. what's in his drawer now that time has been reset? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Hmm.
3: How about you, John? Yeah, I, I, I think Jaime nailed it. Those are, I think, the three best episodes. And I think I got to agree that Priya was probably the strongest. I mean, inarguably, Charlize Theron is the best actor they've had on the entire show so That's far. Yeah, um, yeah. She just has a gravitas to her that, even though it's, you know, this whole thing can be very nonsensical, it feels very grounded with somebody like her. She made that a very believable character with complex motivations, and, and it made it very realized in a very short period. Of time, um, so I, I think that was probably the standout for me. Although uh, I did enjoy the krill BBQ episode, that was uh, you know one of my favorite uh, moments where they uh, where they barbecue the krill uh, and and look at mm-hmm. you know the complexity of the you know the dynamics between two groups of people that are fighting like that. Um, and the Cupid's Dagger was again; it was a great one because it was it had that that nice light touch. You know, it would, just didn't beat your brains in, which some of their episodes are a little bit unfortunately uh, prone to doing. They just you know this, mm-hmm. this. We talked about this week's episode where, uh, you know, religion. It was clearly there was a, an agenda about science versus religion and oh, yeah? evolution okay. of people. And you know, some of these ones have been a little ham-fisted. So uh, when they can do a nice light touch episode like Cupid's Dagger, that's that's well handled.
2: Yeah, I have to agree with the with the from the point of view of liking the those three as well. I mean, probably Priya, I guess, is the probably the best one again because I like that kind of time travel thing. Um, but I mean, like you know, and, and there were some he- when they tried to be heavy. Like with the the episode about um, uh, d- um daughter, mm-hmm. um, that was a bit bit uh, bit strong. Um, and I'm not so I, I'm not a big fan of the of the. the I mean, like like Rob Lowe as an actor and stuff like that. But I wasn't a big fan of that Cupid's Arrow episode. Um, yeah, so I have to go with Priya too. But uh, so it's interesting that they that some of the episodes they tried to be really sort of preachy on, and um, they they again as I said last week they don't really. It's not the, I don't I don't expect that kind of stuff. From Seth MacFarlane, right? So I think there are bigger there are bigger issues going on in the world that could be addressed than what they're doing here on on the Orville, right? So yeah, all right, okay. So do we want to talk about the movie that we're watching tomorrow, or do we want to save that?
3: Well, maybe we can make a couple of uh, wild and uh, completely uh, unvalidated predictions. Mm. Yeah, we were we were talking about this one of our Slack groups
2: today about because uh, we have a, we have a Star Wars room that we set up there so that we don't end up spoiling it for people who haven't go, who because people aren't. I, I don't know if you know this or not, but there are people who don't go on the first night and watch it. What's wrong with them? I know. I mean, I'll, I you know, like I know for a fact that, like you know, based on the, the times I've seen the last, you know, the, the last the last what three, four, five movies that we've had since uh, since nineteen eighty two, yeah, um, the, uh that I've seen each one of them several times in the theater, right? So, in fact, I even like I think I told you I went and watched the three D version of the Phantom Menace, and it was awesome in three D. Uh,
3: yeah, I, I took my son to see that one too. And he, you know, I I grit my teeth through a few of those scenes, but he had yeah. a blast. He loves it. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, um, you know, we were joking
2: about the fact about like who's going to die in this movie, and and you know, so the, the joke was, you know, that that you know, I said, well, of course, Princess Leia's is going to die, and and uh, they they kind of went, well, duh, of course. And like, you know what? No, she come come back as CGI in the next movie, right? They've they've already established
3: that, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I don't know. I, I, yeah, it, go ahead. It would be awfully hard. To- to to keep that going, I can't imagine they would kill her off knowing that she died in real life. Even though it's the most convenient way for them to write her out, right?
2: Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, but how are they going to do her? They're going to have a funeral pyre like they had with uh, Obi Wan or or um, not Obi Wan, um, okay. John Gon? Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Or, or Darth Vader. Even wasn't Darth Vader burned at one point? They
0: did. That's well. That's why we had the melted mask from uh, Force Awakens, right? Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Some predictions. So what, like, like, is the movie going to be good? Kind of predictions. Of well, what's going to happen? Kind of predictions. So, so here, here's, here's just. What I do think, you want to
3: see? Like, what, what, well, so here,
2: let, let's talk about what you talked about two episodes ago when we talked about the, or was it last episode where we talked about the, um, the jackets? Right. Um, somebody pointed out that I mean, and it's been pointed out many, many times before that the Force Awakens is a retelling of A New Hope. Yeah. Do you think that this movie is going to be a retelling of Empire Strikes Back? No. No. No.
3: And and I'll tell you why. It, uh, I think Ryan Johnson. Or the
2: train. I mean, like the training part where where Luke is training on Dagobah.
3: I, I think there will be elements of that, and I think that's hard to get around. But I do mm-hmm. think that Ryan Johnson uh, is too talented a filmmaker to simply do an homage. Right. Um, okay. I think that while you know I do enjoy J.J. Abrams' filmmaking, I do think that his is very derivative. His filmmaking is very much an homage to what he loved about Steven Spielberg. And George Lucas movies growing up, right, right. I think Ryan Johnson is one of the best original filmmakers that we have right now.
2: What else has Ryan Johnson done? I, I don't really know.
3: Uh, so he did uh, uh, Looper, of course, which was okay, that was a good movie, which yeah. was a great yep. movie. And he yep. did a film before that called Brick, which I may or may not have lent to you, um, which was. Um, it was like a crime noir set in high school, uh, starring oh, what was the boy's name from Third Rock from the Sun?
2: Yeah, him. Yeah. Joseph yeah. Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I did. I did see Brick.
3: Yeah, And I really, I like that one a lot. When I saw that, I actually saw that before Looper and thought like, oh, yeah. this guy's got something. And then Looper really knocked my socks off. So mm-hmm. I'm just excited about that kind of creativity, that kind of uh, way of the way he looks at things and what he'll bring to the table there. And I just can't imagine you bring some Somebody who's got that much vision on board just to do an homage I, I get why you want that for the relaunching of that universe why JJ made sense for that first one but if you're gonna bring in somebody like that for the second one I think there's gotta be some vision there and and I think that that's gonna take it to a
0: different level mm-hmm. so for me I think I, I agree with Jonathan I come at it from a slightly different angle uh, very similar but I think I come from a less detailed angle um, and I look at it more as given the context of where The Force Awakens came out really absolutely needed to be a success and I think playing it safe was the right move like if it was something I was going to do that's how I would have done that to sort of wash away the taste of the Phantom Menace and all the other prequels and say this isn't like those this is more like the stuff you like already Um, and let's make a a, a really good uh, if not great you know maybe not great but at least a really good Star Wars movie Um,
2: again I don't understand what what it is about the Phantom Menace that everybody hates you know I mean so we'll have to cover that in a in a different <laughs> show because it's more than we have like, left like, on this it one. Had, but. It had so many good things in it. It had, it had Obi-Wan, it had Ewan uh, McGregor as Obi-Wan, it had qui Gin was a good character. Um, forget about the midichlorians, forget about the little kid that played Anakin, forget about the even his mother and Jar Jar Binks. But, you just but, you killed know,
3: four of the worst parts of that movie off. How are we supposed to yeah, pick it, apart now? Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, so, But I mean, but from, from the point of view of like a Star Wars movie, it was great. I mean, you know, you could say C three PO was a pain in the ass in the New Hope too, right? Like, and he was. Go back and watch it. Yeah, it was pain
3: in the ass. Okay, okay. well, let, <laughs> let's see how, how fast we can do this, Jaime. Let's rip it to shreds. So, right. okay, yeah, Jar Jar, that's a no brainer. Yeah, uh, yeah. The kid actor was terrible. Yeah. Uh, the, the 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 guy who
2: be, who becomes the Emperor, he's a horrible actor. I hate him. The
3: guy who, uh, yeah, okay. So uh, Darth Maul, great character. He, he had like fifteen minutes of screen time in a two. Oh, hour he was awesome. Movie. Like,
2: just just you know, just watch the Darth Maul.
3: Series, which even. is okay, but he got fifteen minutes of screen time in a two and a half hour movie, and I had to watch Pod Racing for half an hour. Yeah, well, that's because it's George. It was because it's George Lucas. That's, oh, he, that's just he, Graffiti
2: was his favorite movie
3: he ever made, right? So then go back and make another one of those. Don't make me watch that in Star Wars. <laughs> like, well, there's always a bigger fish, you know? Yeah, and and then just so <laughs> much. There was just there was just so much wasted stuff. I mean, the whole plot conceit of you know, okay, let's talk about trade dispute, like. Like it just it was yeah, nonsensical. Yeah. Like, take me somewhere new, take me somewhere interesting. Like, that was just there was so much nonsense.
2: Yeah, I mean, they could have messed with their minds like, like they did. I was watching, was it just this weekend? Um, was the uh, and I can't believe it's been like what 15 years since um, the Picard, the Romulans clone Picard and and um, oh yeah, Nemesis, yeah, Nemesis. And what's what's the name of the actor again? Oh, uh, it was Tom Hardy, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Tom Hardy, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an amazing actor, yes, right? He is, especially when he was like he was in the shadow and the way they did that with him in the shadows, like you know, for yeah. the longest time until you saw that you know he kind of looked like John Luke Picard, and you know, yeah, yeah, that was a great. I mean, they, that's the kind of they could have done that kind of story, like they could have told a story like that, right? Or or the Wrath of Khan, you know, that was another good one. Yeah, Wrath of Khan was a great tribute to the original
3: series. Yeah, yeah, you could you could have gone back and told something more. It, obviously, you had to hit all those touch points. I keep Reminding you, it's George Lucas. Okay, but you know, again, <laughs> we have him to thank for our childhood. We shouldn't despise him and. His, his later hurts. years, but at the same time, you know, we we can't we can forgive him, but we can't. I don't think we need to put it on a pedestal either. You know, like no. I've seen my dog no, make he some, can't He some, just some can't bathroom write. breaks. But I'm not going to put it on a shelf and say it's awesome forever. No, you know, like, it's it's just not like there's so much not good with those films. It's really hard to laud the stuff that mm. is good. And yeah, mm. his vision is amazing. His 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 creativity for creating that world is joy in bringing to life these unimaginable things for the rest of us yeah, is a, yeah. unparalleled. However, yeah. his writing is downright dreadful. His yeah, actual so, screenplay writing and his ear for dialogue is, oh, God it, help is us all. just awful. And his, frankly, his direction is not that great either. It, he, there's a reason why he didn't direct Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, and those are two of the better mm-hmm, like, Star mm-hmm. Wars
2: films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny, like you could you could just take the Ewan McGregor se- scenes out of, like any, any scenes That he was in throughout that whole those those three three movies, and those are except for the part where he's he's having the fight with with. um and it could Skywalker at the end there. That was horrible, but yeah, um, you know, because like when he's off doing his little investigation about you know the, the clone 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 army and that kind of stuff, you know, that was that was you know good good stuff, you know. But yeah, you know, and the you know, the Boba Fett stuff, but yeah,
3: he was far far away trying to keep the stink of of Hayden Christensen and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and Padme, Padme off of yeah. him, and so therefore he gets to hold his head up where everyone else has to keep their head down about this for the rest of their careers. Sure, yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. Anyway, so I don't know, got a soft spot. For Star
2: Wars, it's like it's like you know I don't know.
3: Yeah, any Star Wars is good Star Wars, although those were by far not the best Star Wars. And now we've got sure. this thing to look forward to, and you know I'm stoked. Since I was a kid, it occurred to me I you know as a 12 year old when they finished doing Return of the Jedi, I thought to myself, you know, all these actors are still young; they could do more. And I <laughs> waited At for the 12,
0: day.
3: You thought that? Oh, absolutely! Because I used to con- I continued after everybody else gave up. I was still reading the comic books and reading the novels. Oh, yeah. I still yeah. live. Lived and loved Star Wars during that whole stretch where the rest of the world forgot about it. There was right. me and five other geeks who were holding out for more. And <laughs> there were people at Marvel Comics, Dark Horse Comics, uh, you know, going, yeah. who, and and book publishers who were keeping the, the hope alive and publishing, uh, you know, keeping that, keeping that world going. And, you know, I dreamt of the day that they would ever bring Luke Skywalker back to my screen in any form where I could see mm-hmm. where that adventure continued. You know, well, to be honest
2: with you, I didn't think we get Luke Skywalker back in in the, into the Force Awakens. I was really surprised that that he was like the main blot of the story, right? Yeah. You know, I thought I thought when they brought back, uh, you know, they were bringing back Harrison Ford and and uh, Carrie Fisher that they were just going to have you know they're going to hold the door open for somebody, you know, kind of thing like like um, Stanley does in his movies, you know.
3: Well, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see some of that passing of the torch because that's the vibe I get from all the trailers so far in this one. It feels very much mm-hmm. like a passing of the torch movie, and and they have to do uh, that because they. have already killed off harrison ford's character and carrie's gone so we're gonna like all we've really got left to hold on to is mark and this is his movie this is where you know he's going to be the the emblematic elder statesman Mm -hmm. i'm really keen to see you know if this is the 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 passing of the torch movie where this is you know he's going to pass the torch to ray and finn and and uh you know poe dameron and all these you know up and coming characters and say you know what you guys got it from here now you be the next generation of star wars you carry the torch from here. And they build towards, you know, episode 9 and beyond as their own, you know, the next generation takes over.
2: Right, okay, you've already said too much.
3: <laughs> okay, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. I like to I say know, for the record. So I was, I'm, I'm not even trying to think about it. That's the thing, right?
2: I'm just, I want to sit back, put my head back, here comes the drill, you know, eat some popcorn
3: and enjoy Star Wars. Alright, well, tomorrow I will help okay. you if uh, if uh, I'm onto
0: it and then we'll know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I, I I think it will be uh, not a retelling of Empire Strikes Back. I think it will be uh, like a deconstruction of the Empire Strikes Back, um, or even like a total head fake where it it starts to follow the same beats and then takes a left turn somewhere. That's sort of what I feel like you're yeah.
3: saying. I'm telling you that line from the trailer that came out, you know, several months ago, where where you hear Luke Skywalker say, "This isn't going to go the way you think it is." Mm-hmm. That, that is mm-hmm. just the best clickbait of a trailer piece. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. I have I'm so ready for misdirection and so ready for different turns and I welcome it. I'm I'm hoping that it takes me some new places. And that's yeah. what I want from Ryan Johnson as a director and I, and I want that on the table as something that I could come into a Star Wars movie and not be like, well, yeah, okay, of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's unfortunately what Force Awakens was. It was great. There was lots of great moments. I liked the characters. Yeah. I enjoyed yeah. it, but it was a lot of, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Of course that's where it went. Of course it did. I, I want mm-hmm. something that's going to knock my socks off my feet and, and I'm hoping it'll come all right okay
2: all right let's so let's wrap up and go to our uh, our things that we want to see or our picks for the show what do you what do you got there Jaime? Huh,
0: yeah this is um, I think last week or maybe two episodes ago we talked about the teaser trailer for the sequel to Jurassic World that being Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom now we have the official trailer and um, oh, official yeah It. Uh, I think it's going to be very much like Jurassic World so if you like that movie I think you'll like this one too and if you didn't like that one I don't think you're gonna like this one either <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> It feels a. Uh, it feels like it's going to go at least from what we see in the trailer. It feels a little bit like um, Star Lord versus the di- dinosaurs. Yeah, but it's, it's also <laughs> like Jurassic Park: The Lost World. It feels like it's going to hit some of those beats, uh, given right. that Jurassic World is a uh, soft reboot. Yeah, yeah, I guess it qualifies as a soft reboot. It, it, it pretends that I think Part Two and Three didn't happen, and that Jurassic Park was the only predecessor. That's complicated. It's sure. like the mm. uh, it's like the Prime versus Kelvin universe. JJ Abrams verse sort of thing in Star Trek. It's, it's complicated right. if you try to make it fit in one continuity, but yeah. it, it feels like it'll have some of those same beats where they're uh they're having to bring the dinosaurs back, sort of thing. Well I'll
2: have to go back and watch that movie again. I, I kinda didn't miss I missed that in the in the last Chris Pratt version.
0: Yeah. yeah, and just to make it even more like on point, um Jeff Goldblum is yeah returning. So yeah, we'll hmm. see how that goes. Yeah, they had my money at Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, especially after Thor: Ragnarok, he was so great oh, as the yeah. Master.
3: Absolutely, that guy chews scenery like no one else.
0: Mm-hmm. Well,
3: now you just said
2: just spoils Thor for me. Oh well, um, he, was in so, this movie.
3: he was in the movie trailer.
2: Yeah, I, I, again, his existence
0: is not a, not a spoiler. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs>
2: just kidding. I'm putting it out of my mind, so I'm, not, so I'm delighted when I see it. Um, okay, so Jonathan, what do you got? Or JPK, sorry. Uh,
3: yeah, it's okay. So, uh, yeah, we've got uh, we're only about a week and a bit away from uh, Bright, which is a, a movie that's going to premiere on Netflix. Um, mm-hmm. This is a big budget flick that's coming to Netflix, uh, starring Will Smith and Joel Edgerton, Nomi Rapace, who was from uh, uh, um, Prometheus, mm-hmm. um, and directed by David Ayer, who did uh, Suicide Squad, written by Max Landis, uh, who did Chronicle, so this is uh, this is a pretty high production value piece. I think they estimated the cost around 100 million bucks. Um, the premise is that uh, it's a world where uh, human and mythical creatures coexist, but uh, in a modern way. So uh, Will Smith is an LAPD cop, and his partner is an orc named Nick Jacoby, who plays is played by Joel Edgerton, and uh, so it's about uh, what it's like to be on the beat in that kind of world where you know you can actually have magic interacting with technology interacting with you know police um, and this sort of alternate current reality so uh, I'm pretty keen to see how they pull this together and I'm, I'm really keen just because it's interesting to see um, see Netflix go into this world we've seen them do some high production value TV shows over the last few years we've seen some really cool stuff come out of them but this is I mean a 90 million dollar I think yeah I'm just looking it up now. 90 million bucks is what they spent on this. So 90 million bucks is not nothing to throw at a movie. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what this does for them because uh, it'd be neat to see if they can bring this kind of genre television uh, on the movie side as opposed to just the television side. You know, a nice tight two hours as opposed as opposed to, uh, you know, having to watch 13 hours of television to catch up with something. So uh, hmm. could be cool. Coming Sounds out on
2: December 22nd. Sounds interesting. Just in time for Christmas.
3: Just in time for Christmas break. You can take a couple of days off and sit, uh, ignore your family in and your in-laws and watch... Uh, uh, Just,
2: as Jaime says, put the remote down and let the binge happen. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Just slide right into it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. All right. Okay, so my pick is uh, a new friend of the show, Andreas Lutzwager, who I've always known as Andy, by the way, um, was telling me about a a Star Trek fan movie called Prelude to NXR, which... Um, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Uh, XNR. Uh, Prelude to XNR. And um, there's a YouTube clip here of it's it's some pretty big name actors, well, not big name actors, some pretty B level actors, I guess, have, have sort of put this together and wanted to do it, but CBC CBS put a halt to it and or tried to stop it or has tried to stop it. And the second link I've got here is basically it, it is they had a million dollar budget, you know, uh, for this Star Trek fan movie, um, similar to what we were talking about with Star Trek Continues. Um, and the second clip I've got here sort of does a sort of an essay piece on all the various. Um, fan movies that have been done over over time and, but focusing on, on this particular one that CBS is trying to stop or wants to stop this, this um, video or this little documentary was done a couple of years ago because they just, they talk about discovery coming out they had you know so it's, it was done a few years before discovery i think CBS had just announced that they were doing discovery so interesting stuff um, different kind of plot lines uh, the the idea behind prelude to xnr Ex, prelude to xnr is about the klingon war um, so I guess there was a war between, um, which I guess is where we're coming into in Discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, lots of interesting storylines, and and the, the this video is about twenty minutes long, and it's it sort of a, a retelling of the battles and stuff like that, and uh, from the various points of different captains that were who were involved in those particular skirmishes. So um, interesting yeah. stuff. So Andy uh, recommended that we uh, check these guys out. So that's uh, Prelude to Axanar and this movie or this uh, clip on youtube the million dollar star trek fan fan film that cbs wants to stop and that's from it's a couple of years old but. Yep. so there've been there been a number of uh, fan things as we talked about before and i think the um, star trek continues was the one that was able to survive because it was all done not for profit so not not much cbs could say about that really i guess right yeah the same reason they couldn't stop porn parodies from happening <laughs> this is not star trek <laughs> sure sure well it's interesting though they do they do make a point that Gene Roddenberry, you know, thanked the fans from the very, from the get-go, obviously, because they saved us, they saved it from, uh, was it canceled in season two or something like that? Um, or was it, it wasn't, it wasn't going to be renewed or whatever. And the fans, you know, basically wrote to, wrote to CBS, I think it was at the time, and, or NBC, I can't remember who, who originally had it. CBS. CBS, yeah. And, and, you know, demanded that they continue the show. And, and uh, so Roddenberry's always been on the side of the fans and, and, uh, you know, them supporting. And that's why there's a gazillion stories. Star Trek books and you know different plot lines and that kind of stuff from from most because people honor the characters and really enjoy it right so yeah so far-reaching impact
3: and that's about that cool all right so that's so, it so let's see by so. my clock we've got uh, what 21 hours and 30 minutes till we only one more sleep that's all
0: <laughs> <it>. <laughs> one more sleep yeah you had the great uh, porg tweet which put in the show notes for those who have uh, yes. not seen it
2: one more sleep I started I started putting up like you know you know 12 more more sleeps and people were like, what? What are you talking about? I'm like, what? Have you not been paying attention? Yeah.
0: Paying I mean, it's, it's too late. You know, If you're listening to this show, it's way too late to follow this um, particular bit of advice. But I would advise people to I guess for the next one, um, try to see it on opening night. See it as early as you can on opening night and try to avoid social media altogether. Try to avoid yeah. news feeds, Twitter, everything altogether until you see the movie. And, well, about- and
3: try and see it before our next episode because I guarantee you that will be the- the crux of our next episode <laughs> yeah we're trying to season. we get a little kickback from the star wars uh, the disney people we're sending you to the theater just so you can enjoy Spotcast next time
2: yeah for sure for sure Alrighty, so hey how many people want to get a hold of you on the interwebs
0: wherever they look i'm on twitter as at dev with the hair
2: and jonathan where can people find you i'm on twitter as at jpk news all right, and I am Timitra. I'm T and M M I T R A on the Twitter machine, and we will see you guys in the future. Bye. Goodbye. Okay, now, bye by the way. Bye.
0: If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spockcast website at spockcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spockcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpockcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spockcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future.